Hey there, Cryptid Keepers. It's Addison here. And before our episode starts, I wanted to talk to you briefly about a new sponsor. Studio, S-U-D-I-O, is a company that wants to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Not just as a tech device, but also as an accessory. Currently, the headphones market can offer you one of two things. Style or tech. Fashionable headphones often lack the proper sound quality, and the high-tech variations are bulky and not design-oriented. Studio works to bridge that gap. While emphasizing modern Scandinavian design, they also provide a product that matches the quality of even the highest-rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. Alex and I were fortunate enough to receive some of their headphones to try, and we can tell you that these models worked amazingly. I tried out the Regent, which is the premium on-ear model with impeccable clarity in the instrumental tones as well as well-balanced sound. It has 24-plus hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life. It's the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It can connect to any device that has Bluetooth, but also has an auxiliary cord if you don't have the wireless option. This particular model is excellent for me because I am a voice actor from home and I need to be editing audio all the time. So this allows me to have a comfortable and convenient way to listen to what I'm doing and hear all the little details. Alex got to use the Tray, T-R-E, which is the newest model for those with an active lifestyle. It has 9 plus hours of active battery life and 10 days of standby life. It's the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. It's made of sweatproof material that has custom wing tips that stay comfortably in your ear no matter how fast you're moving. You'll never be caught off guard when wearing them as they provide sound transparency. You can listen to music but still be aware of your surroundings. That keeps you safe. The tray comes with a clip to keep the cord secure on your shirt if you're moving around a lot, and a carrying pouch so your headphones never get ruined in your bag again. And Studio is offering our listeners a 15% off discount if they use the code KEEPER15. That counts as 15% off of any purchase. So if you want to treat yourself this year to some quality headphones with a sleek, modern design, you can go to www.studiosweden.com. That's S-U-D-I-O-S-W-E-D-E-N.com and use the promo code KEEPER15. That's K-E-E-P-E-R-15. And now back to your regularly scheduled Cryptid Keeper programming. At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. And now, listeners, we are entering the realm of the holly and jolly, so listener discretion is advised. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So I think you know how the rest of this one goes. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it's you too. So we'll put your badge in the mail. Um, I'm Alex Flanagan. <laughs> and I'm Addison Peacock. And we don't have badges. Please don't let Alex lie to you. Um, and we also don't have your mailing address. So like, don't freak out and think that this is some Unless weird... Unless you're someone who's ordered something from our Etsy store before. <laughs> um, but you know, with the repeal of net neutrality, soon you're going to have to pay money to listen to us talk. It's so. not actually been repealed yet. I really do need I to understand. make sure. I know that yes. you know that, but I've just seen a lot of people actually genuinely freaking out because and, and or just saying it's already done. It, the fight is not over. Call your senators. 
Cheers. I was hoping, right. honestly, I was just hoping that it would be a thing like the Patreon thing we talked about last episode, where if I say it and make oh. it real, then by next week it'll be totally irrelevant. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. So net neutrality <laughs> Net neutrality uh, is, is completely away. dead, guys. It's going away. And see if we we have a fun thing going on. Yeah, it's... um, it's, it's If we talk about how bad and dangerous something is, it'll just cease to exist by the next episode. Because, yeah, I was going to say, we ended the last episode. Quick note, top of the show note. We ended the last episode by talking about these Patreon changes they were rolling out. Psych! Uh, Patreon sent us an email that said we were wrong yeah, and they're we're not happening. Sorry. And that was it. That was the email, which was nice. I yeah. mean, I, I appreciate... Honestly, it's the most refreshing thing I've ever seen from a major corporation. Just to be like, we screwed up real bad and that's all there is to that. Yeah, so, I think it's, bye. Messed, I think the email was like, we messed up and we're sorry. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. If that's the best thing 2017 has given me in terms of a person correcting their bad behavior. So, like... Yeah, seriously. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll we'll take, take it. it. Anyway, um, uh, I actually... Just before we before we dive in, just wanted to check in with everybody. How you doing? How you doing, Alex? How you doing, listeners? You doing okay? Because 2017 is almost over, and it's been a really hard year. It is almost over. And so, actually, I'm going to seize this opportunity to roll right into the episode. So, uh... I think that we're going to try to end 2017 on the best note possible. And I... I mean, is this our last episode? No, 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 no. There will be several more. But I'm a little disappointed because a while back, I did this mental math in my... I did these mental gymnastics in my head. And I was, like, planning this episode for quite a while. Um, And then it turns out that it ended up being my week a week earlier than I thought it would be. So... (laughs) What happened? I don't know. We, like, at some point, we skipped a week or something. But um, because it was, like, a while back, I planned this. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. But it's fine. So you're getting this a week early, which will actually work out well, I think. Okay. Okay. See, I was planning for this to be the episode that dropped on Christmas Eve day, and it didn't. Oh, no. Uh, we're a week early. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So anyway, today's cryptid is Santa Claus. I knew this was coming. I knew this was yeah. coming. I knew this was so, coming. So welcome. Welcome. We're going to talk about Santa Claus today. Santa Claus can only sort of loosely be categorized as a cryptid, but the more you think about it, the more it makes a certain kind of sense, I think, because is he real? Is he not? Now, I know what you're thinking. Yes, of course he's real. Obviously. Duh. Everyone knows this, but there are a lot of non-believers out there. There's a lot of naysayers. There are a lot of naysayers. You may even one of them yourself, but I hope by the end of this episode, (laughs) you have a different perspective on it. Because some cool fun thing that I found is there are actually a shocking number of people who are convinced they have had real-life sightings of Santa Claus. (gasps) Yes! No. So, okay, you you told me I would love this episode before we started recording. You didn't tell me anything else about it. I got the feeling this was what it was going to be, but that is the best possible news you could have given me. Oh, my God. I don't want people to think this is a bit... This is... I say this a lot on the show. No, Addison's genuinely, like, welling up. There's... This is not a bit. I'm so excited. (laughs) Bye. No, it's great. I'm really excited, too. So before we get in, I just want to get into, um, you know, there's been like sort of a trend in my episodes lately about this idea of like subjective reality. And Santa Claus, I think, is a great example of that because, and I know we have some kid listeners out there, and you guys are just as in on this as everyone else, because chances are, whether you believe or you don't believe, you at least know that there are people in this world who don't believe in Santa Claus. There are a lot of them. And in fact, you're sort of pressured to come to that point at a certain point in your childhood. Maybe it's happened to you already. Maybe it hasn't yet, in which case you're extremely lucky because there's already enough in this world that will try to take your joy from you. But I think that there are also a lot of really great things about there about like the idea that believing in Santa Claus makes it real. And I think I love so much that there is a culture in, like, movies and and popular film and, like, popular books and whatnot that still pushes the narrative of, like, kids being more right about this than adults. Oh, yeah. Which I love. And I think— I have one, it's not even an issue, it's more just a question that I ask every time I watch one of these films and I'll never understand. In any given film Uh where— uh, that's about Santa Claus and like learning to believe in stuff where the parents don't believe in Santa Claus. Where do they think the presents come from every year that Santa brings? Um, well, I think it's sort of a thing where it's like 
them not believing in Santa Claus and preemptively buying the presents negates the need for Santa to come. Okay. Right? See, I guess I always got from that, the, the, the assumption, I guess, of the world of the movie was always to me that Santa is bringing these presents every year because they talk about Santa already knows what they got for a lot of times there's an exchange where Santa's like, and last Christmas I got, you got this red bike. And they're like, oh, you're real. Um, and so I just always ask, where do the parents think that is coming from? But if that's the case, then I can buy into that. It's well, more just in the words of the Santa Claus, 1994, starring Tim Allen, <laughs> seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. Ah, yes, you're right. So the only wise thing Tim Allen has ever said. <laughs> a side note, did you know that prior to starring in that movie, Tim Allen was in prison for dealing so much cocaine? <laughs> that ruined snow. the Santa Claus movie. Let it yeah, snow. Right, literally. And literally, his like his good behavior parole came from the fact that the prison guards loved his stand-up so much. Like he did stand-up in the prison and they were like, You're a funny guy. You seem real likable. I'm sorry, one last other thing before you go into it is more just like also, I I do have to also say that there's really no way to not believe in Santa Claus, in my opinion, because St. Nicholas is a real person. Sure, yeah. Like, that's a person who lived in the world and existed. So, like, (laughs) whether you believe he has magical powers or not, you can't just not believe in Santa. Well, and I think, unfortunately, some Um, people use the fact that he was a real person to justify not believing in him now. You know, to justify, like, the, well, there is no real Santa Claus. Santa Claus was real. But, like, screw that, okay? (laughs) Here's what I'm asking you to do. For the next 45 minutes, I want you to choose to believe in Santa Claus. And I want you to listen to the rest of this episode coming from the understanding that, one, you can, in fact, choose to believe in a thing, and it may, in fact, enhance your enjoyment of the holiday season. So give it a shot, humbugs. (laughs) Also, two, I want you to listen to this episode from the perspective of trying to look for proof positive instead of proof negative, okay? I think it'll make this a lot more fun for everybody, and I want you to enjoy this Cryptid Keeper holiday special with that in mind. Mm -hmm. So, Coming from that perspective, let's open with an article from CNN titled The Real Story Behind Santa Claus. Take me away. This is from December 25th, 2014. Don't tell the kids, but we've got Santa Claus all wrong. Countless Christmas songs tell us that Santa is basically the Judge Judy of juveniles. He decides who's been naughty or nice. It's great. He decides who's been naughty or nice and doles out presents or punishments accordingly. But historians say Kris Kringle was originally created to keep adults, not children, off the naughty list. Being crafty codgers, we ducked Santa's surveillance, turning the spotlight on kids and dramatically changing Christmas celebrations. How did we achieve this very important historical victory? Well, I'll tell you. Picture this. It's the early 1800s, and America's Christian leaders, most of whom were Protestant Reformation types, had banned religious celebrations of Christmas as unscriptural and paganish. So it's actually really interesting because there's a historical context where, in fact, the sort of conservative Christian movement used to push for the idea of happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas because they hated the idea that Christmas was being commercialized or celebrated in that way. Now we've sort of come full circle and people want Christmas to be the dominative narrative. And it's interesting how that's changed over time. But here's some more facts on that. People still wanted to party, obviously, because why not? It was midwinter, the crops were harvested, and sailors were waiting for better weather to disembark. So on December 25th, working-class stiffs got fall-down drunk and stumbled around cities looking for stuff to loot. (laughs) Imagine... Black Friday, Spring Break, and New Year's Eve. Then smash them together like, and I did not make this sentence up, sumo wrestlers full of sake. <laughs> that was Christmas in the early 1800s. Well, you finished the smell <clears throat> talk. I'm sorry. I got excited. <laughs> A bunch of blue blood New Yorkers decided all this fun must stop. 
They wanted to domesticate Christmas, bring it indoors, and focus it on children, says Jerry Bowler, author of Santa Claus, A History, and professor of history at the University of Manitoba in Canada. These Grinches, who formed the St. Nicholas Society of New York, would change the world with two little poems. But let's back up for a minute. When the Dutch came to the New World in the 1600s, they brought a fellow from folklore named Sinterklaas with them. Sinterklaas! <laughs> mm-hmm. Sinterklaas, who wore a red bishop's mitre and a snowy white beard, was based on St. Nicholas, a 3rd century Greek who lived in modern-day Turkey. Despite being a bishop, this Nick was a bit of a bad boy. <laughs> An archaeologist who dug up his bones in 2005 found that Nicholas had a broken nose, perhaps a result of the persistent persecution of Christians around that time, said Adam C. English, author of The Saint Who Would Be Santa Claus. Or could it have been Christian-on-Christian violence? According to one medieval legend, Nicholas punched a heretic in the nose at the Council of Nicaea, the meeting in 325 that formed the first consensus on Christian doctrine. Early icons of Nicholas depict him without bishop's garb, a subtle suggestion that he had been demoted, possibly for fisticuffs. Um, I am sh- you might have come across this, but I have to bring up yeah, go for it. an absolutely nutso fact about St. Nicholas's mm-hmm. body. You know it supposedly leaks mana that is bottled by the church that currently holds his remains. <laughs> that's amazing. And okay, I did not know supposedly, it. I actually just wrote an article about this for the Horror Honeys for our oh, cool. Christmas article. That's why I know about this. There's an, there's an article you can find called The Mysterious Case of, Sa- of Santa Claus's Leaking Bones, basically is like what it's called. And supposedly, his bones secrete a clear liquid that the church says is manna that has then been bottled and has been like sold for like a large price by the church, like by the church that holds his bones and supposedly has healing powers. So, so Supposedly, it's the creepiest thing. Supposedly, St. Nicholas's bones secrete a clear liquid and have been doing this for hundreds of years, and they just have to, like, harvest it every so often. Well, the stories about St. Nicholas get wilder, and Mm -hmm. I love it. This guy's, like, here's a cool thing for you. Canon Santa Claus is way cooler than Fanon Santa Claus. Oh, much, much cooler. Thankfully, St. Nicholas was known for more than brawling. He also had a reputation for giving gifts and protecting children. The first quality comes from a story about a poor man with three young daughters. Without a dowry to offer suitors, the man worried that his daughters would fall into prostitution. Legend has it that Nicholas dropped three bags of gold through an open window in the man's house, saving the women from the streets. The second story is a bit macabre, so... Warning about that. Oh, oh, I think I know this story, and I think I know... Okay, I'm ready. I'm excited. While staying at an inn, Nicholas discovered three dismembered children in pickle barrels. He reassembled and resurrected the briny kids and punished the guilty innkeeper. That is dark. These deeds, along with his everyman persona, he wasn't a martyr or a hermit like so many other model Christians of the time, made Nicholas the greatest male saint of the Middle Ages, said Bowler. One measure of his popularity is the long list of people, places, churches, and Christian groups that list St. Nick as their patron. Uh, so, like, there's all this banana stuff about who St. Nicholas himself actually was. But what you need to know is that, beginning in the 1500s, the Protestant Reformation swept away the cult of Christian saints, denouncing them as too unbiblical and idolatrous. Christmas, too, went pretty much by the wayside for most of Protestant Europe during this time. Some countries, though, such as the Netherlands, kept alive traditions associated with Sinterklaas. And it was these customs that 19th century New Yorkers wanted to revive. Because as they sought to make Christmas more family-friendly, the St. Nicholas Society found the perfect front man in that namesake, who, after all, was known for being nice to children. It was a genius move. 
The real goal was getting drunks off the street, remember? Mm-hmm. Now they could do that by turning Christmas into a family event when children, who had it pretty rough back then, would receive gifts for good behavior. But the Knickerbockers, as they called themselves, needed more than good cheer to change Christmas. They needed stories. Drawing on the Dutch legends about Sinterklaas, the American author Washington Irving wrote a series of sketches featuring St. Nicholas soaring high above New York houses, smoking a pipe, and delivering presents to well-behaved children. About a decade later, in 1821, an anonymous poem called The Children's Friend featured a magical figure called Santa Claus, who drove a reindeer-led sleigh full of rewards and filled obedient children's stockings with little presents. Building on that, an Episcopalian scholar named Clement Clark Moore wrote a poem for his big brood called A Visit from St. Nicholas. It's the poem that's better known today as The Night Before Christmas. <gasps> Stop. It was yep. the night before Christmas all the through the house? Christmas. Yep. Oh, man. Strangely for a seminary professor, Moore's poem strips St. Nick of religious rhyme and reasons. Nicholas wears a fursuit, clambers down chimneys, and gives presents to good children, but he says nothing about the quote-unquote reason for the season, as contemporary Christmas warriors like to say. Still, Moore's St. Nick story went viral, spreading across the northeastern United States faster than reindeer on Ritalin. Oh my god, who wrote this? I love it. (laughs) It's great. In some early depictions, Santa Claus looks like an overgrown elf. In others, he looks kind of scary, as American artists merge St. Nicholas with European traditions such as the German Krampus, who punishes bad children. I loved a Krampus. Right? By the early 1900s, Bowler says, Santa became standardized as the white-bearded, red-suited, twinkle-eyed, benevolent grandfather that we all know and love. And we're not the only ones. Merchants seized on this guy right away, Bowler says. They immediately saw the possibility that this personification could be useful in their selling. In other words, Santa was pitching products almost as soon as he hitched up his sleigh. Coca-Cola was an early one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But before you blame Kris Kringle for commercializing Christmas, think back to what it was like before he came to town. When kids, and many adults, really had something to pout about. I love that. That's a great piece. Isn't that great? I have a couple things. It's really excellent. That, that yeah, brought hit up me with as it. you read them uh, out to me. First of all, I was just, um, I was remembering the uh, the fact that I, I, I had known that Christmas was uh, like historically a time for kind of roving bands of drunken, oh yeah, uh, drunken wild folk. <laughs> and I was recalling my favorite verse of We Wish You a Merry Christmas, which is straight up just a bunch of drunks in front of your door demanding food or they <laughs> will not leave We won't go your until house. we get some. <laughs> Bring us some figgy pudding. We won't go until we get some. Uh, every college student has known that feeling. <laughs> yes. I'm just, just a horde <laughs> of drunk people demanding food on your doorstep. We Wish You a Merry Christmas really nowadays should be readapted as like a poor IHOP waitress who's working the 11 p.m. shift and has oh. a bunch Oh my god. Drunken frat kids show up. Oh, give us blueberry pancakes. Oh, give us blueberry pancakes. Give us blueberry pancakes. And bring them right here. (laughs) We won't go. (laughs) We won't go. Until we get some. Oh, and the other thing is not related to this, but is related to uh, you and this town that we live in together. Is Krampus knocked happening again or no? It already did, actually. It did. I'm sorry. We already had Krampus knocked. No! Yeah, I apologize. I thought it was later in December last year. No, it was earlier. No! Okay, so for context, the town, our town did a thing last year that I really loved called Krampusnacht. Apparently it happened already this year, where like all throughout downtown, local businesses had a Krampus appearing at them, basically like hosting Uh, different wintertime events. Well, it's I mean, it's entirely spearheaded by JP. Yeah. Right. So my boss at the little wine store where I work, or rather the owner of the store, he and his wife own it together. And so they're both my boss in a joint sort of way. But he... uh, I won't say hobby because it's really a lifestyle for this man. Um, he runs all of the, like the ghost tours of old haunted Winchester and he does the Krampus Knocked every year and he like makes these wild Krampus costumes and whatever. Like, weird dude, cool hobbies, but um, 
yeah, he, he has a Krampus knocked here in Old Town Winchester, which is like such a wild thing. We're like this weird small town in Virginia and like all this bananas stuff happens here. It's like a really cool thing to happen in a town that when people ask me about it, I'm like, nothing ever happens here. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of forget. We're we're too close to see. I'm too close to see. I just I, I thought about it when you said the Krampus and now I am heartbroken. I'm so sorry. Okay. Next year. Next, next year. year we'll get on it. Well, I but I I I, I don't know if I'll live here next. Okay, that's fine. fine. That's also fine. You can be home for the holidays. Oh uh, yeah, true. I'll be home. For the holidays. Uh, okay, so here's what okay, we know anyway. so far. So one, Saint Nicholas was real. This much is established and accepted as true from pretty much everybody. Like, they have his bones and they leak right. weird liquid. So that's the other thing, right? Two, we know that even in like things based in fact, there's already some weird stuff going on with this guy. There is more than meets the eye. So I think we can be primed to expect some strange things continuing even yeah. after his physical death. Which brings me to our next point. Mm-hmm. There are many explanations for what could be a Santa Claus continuing today, even after the death of St. Nicholas. And we're not even trying to argue that St. Nicholas and Santa Claus are the same person. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely But there's actually a surprisingly prevalent school of thought that the Santa Claus we know and love today is a ghost. I was literally just going to say Santa Claus is a ghost. So it could literally be the ghost of St. Nicholas. It could be some other ghost. It could be some sort of thing made manifest by people's belief in it. That's not the only cryptid out there to exist like that. I mean, it's possible. Santa Claus is a tulpa. Which is why I think for some people, the simple power of believing in it is enough to make it real it's to like you. the fairies from Peter Pan. And yeah, in both like a an emotional, spiritual, and also like very literal sort of way. So let's get into some Santa Claus sightings. Please get me into some Santa Claus sightings. Oh, So the first article God. I'm going to take you okay. to is from the Boston Globe. Yes, Okay. I'll be in Boston in a couple weeks. This is an article from December 23rd, 2012. And just to be clear, the Boston Globe is, like, a real reputable source of journalism, right? Yeah, I read the Boston Globe all the time. They have articles about all sorts of very valid things. This is not some, you know, grocery store checkout line journalism. This is the Boston Globe. And this article by Chris Wright, who is a Globe correspondent on December 23rd, 2012, is titled, I Saw Paranormal Santa Claus. (gasps) (sighs) Okay, this is all I want for Christmas. (laughs) The truth is out there, and there's an awful lot of it. If the stories zinging around the internet are anything to go by, people are routinely pestered by beings from other dimensions or distant planets. Less commonplace, however, are reports like this. We were driving by a lonely McDonald's, and we saw something dashing through the clouds. We could all make out Santa's sleigh and nine reindeer, including Rudolph's nose. This is just one of the many Santa sightings that have recently been spotlighted on a website devoted to true life tales of the unexplained. The person who compiled them, a veteran paranormal researcher named Stephen Wagner, is of the opinion that these accounts should be afforded the same respect as those concerning, say, Bigfoot or the lost city of Atlantis, which represents a significant departure in a field that is sensitive about exposure to ridicule. Wagner, who lives in Little Falls, New York, is no lightweight in the world of the paranormal. He has been researching supernatural events for over three decades. He has written a book on the subject, Touched by a Miracle, True Stories of Ordinary People and Extraordinary Experiences, and for 14 years has run a popular About.com page titled Paranormal Phenomena. Today, he is fast becoming the world's leading, and possibly only, expert in Santa seeing. In the two years since Wagner started compiling these sightings, he has received several hundred submissions, and he's convinced that most of them are genuine in intent, if not verifiable in fact. His hope is that the stories will make people think a little differently about a holiday dream most of us leave behind in childhood. If nothing else, the frequency of these visions, and the sense of absolute certainty apparent in many of the people who have had them, speaks of the power this figure has over the collective imagination. 
So here's our first one. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Okay. Sarah, a 41-year-old Californian who contributed to Wagner's Christmas files, or sorry, Xmas files. Oh my god. Had her encounter back in 1975. I felt exhilarated, bewildered, and very special, she recalls, going on to describe the experience in almost mystical terms. It was the beautiful golden glow around the man in the big red suit that told me it couldn't possibly be my father. It was glittery like a parade, but the pieces were not falling to the ground. And the intervening years have not diminished Sarah's sense of wonder. Seeing Santa changed my outlook forever, she adds, to the point that I am comfortable with tattooing old big red onto my body. It means that much to me. Oh. Yeah, right? Even in the open-minded world that Wagner occupies, these festive visitations are raising eyebrows. While paranormal research doesn't abide by the same strict rules as, say, nuclear physics, it's not entirely without standards. Proof isn't particularly important in this world, but possibility is. And researchers perform all manner of conceptual gymnastics to maintain it. You know, if you've listened to this show, then you're familiar with that kind of thinking. <laughs> Mental gymnastics in my podcast? It's yeah. more likely than you think. For example, right. faced with an ongoing and abject failure to find anything remotely monstrous in Loch Ness, some have put forward the idea that Nessie may, in fact, be the ghost of a dinosaur. The key word here being may. With Santa, even this standard falls away. Furthermore, these sightings sound a bit silly, which is something else serious researchers get touchy about. I've never even heard of people seeing Santa, says Lloyd Auerbach, who teaches a course on parapsychology at Atlantic University in Virginia. The Grim Reaper, yes, but not Santa. Auerbach oh, goes... Oh, yes, that's much more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. Auerbach goes on to make a passable attempt at finding a maybe. The only possibility of this being real is if it's an alien or a ghost pretending to be Santa. Before giving up. I wouldn't put that kind of sighting in the paranormal category, he says finally. We can't investigate that. There's nothing we can do with that. But Wagner, for his part, is adamant that Santa sightings have a legitimate place in paranormal research. Paranormal is, by definition, something that's beyond the norm, unknown, unexplained, he says. I have postings on my site about apparitions of the Virgin Mary, and I get the same kinds of reactions. That's not paranormal, that's religion. Well, where do you draw the line? Whether these characters are fictional or real, these are experiences that people have had that have not been explained by science. I think you just found the thesis statement of our show. I think I did, which is why I loved this so much. Yeah. Wait, who's this man? We should, like, I want to reach out to him. Yeah, maybe we will. I think it'd be a great idea. The one thing that seems beyond doubt in all this is that there are a number of adults out there who believe, in some instances many years after the fact, that they have come into direct personal contact with Father Christmas. He was in full Santa attire, recalls 51-year-old Missourian Sandra, whose sighting occurred in the mid-1960s. He was bent over, then he stood up and took a puff from a pipe. Not surprisingly, Sandra doesn't share her story with too many people, but she insists that what she saw was real, maybe. Who is to say what is real in this life, she says. Is our reality really real? That takes a wild turn at the end there. I know, right? The Santa as ghost substitute theory provides an interesting spin on the creepier sightings people have reported to Wagner, of which yeah. there are quite a few. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Okay, sorry. I'm Time and again. so excited about this episode. You're awesome. Time and again, we see the stranger lurking in the shadows, peeking around corners, putting his finger to his lips. He didn't look jolly or kind or happy, writes one person. He looked kind of eerie. Another describes Santa's suit as more distinct than the red of a drop of blood. The most remarkable thing about these stories, however, is how matter-of-fact so many of them are, the meticulousness of the observations. About seven minutes into my pacing, I saw a tall, fat figure scurry away about 20 feet away from me, writes one observer. Another describes a man in a red suit with a white beard and white fur around his suit with black boots, adding he was around 5'8 or 5'9. While such clarity isn't evident in all of these reports, 
One person recalls seeing nine little shining splodges in the sky, as well as a big splodge at the back of them. The overall tone is of people giving courtroom testimony. This makes sense. People with improbable stories often litter them with mundane detail, as if doing so might help root them in reality. And it doesn't get much more improbable than nine shining splodges in the sky. Reading these accounts, you feel that these are people who are desperate to be taken seriously, and who see Wagner's sight as a chance to present their case. I told my mom what happened many years later, and she insisted that I was dreaming, or that it was my dad, writes a New Yorker who claims to have seen Santa in 1969. That wasn't possible. I'm African-American, and during that time, the tenants in our building were all African-American, so Santa stood out. (laughs) You may not be convinced by this argument, and in the end, this may not really matter. For Sandra, the woman who occasionally finds herself wondering if our reality is really real, just knowing there are other people like her is enough. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that great? Also, I want him to be a jolly, like, force for good in the holiday season, but I Mm -hmm. need you to know that as a child, I was absolutely terrified of Santa Claus. The overall concept is kind of creepy, and there's no getting around that. I need you to know, (laughs) I want to just, like, go into my childhood a little bit here, not, like, in a therapy way. I mean, particularly my relationship to Santa Claus. There are no existing photographs of me with Santa Claus, because every (laughs) time my mother brought me to a mall and took me anywhere within, like, 50 feet of the mall Santa, I would scream. I would scream and cry. And then, one other thing about Santa Claus. When my mom first told me about Santa and, like, told me the story of Santa Claus, read me Twas the Night Before Christmas and everything, um, and she likes to tell people this story as well as I, I very loosely recall I don't recall the actual conversation. I recall the thought process that led to it. And then the conversation I remember because she's Mm -hmm. told me about it so much. But apparently what I said was, like, he comes into your house to bring the presents. And she said, yes, he does. And and I said, the elves can come in and bring the presents. Santa should wait outside. (laughs) I didn't want Santa in my house. incredible. There are no pictures of me with Santa either. But the thing about that is that it's like, um, and I don't know how to explain this. I knew full well that mall Santas were not real. Oh, yeah. Even as I actively believed in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. No, it was like, Santa's real. These guys aren't Santa. Well, my mom always told me they were Santa's helpers. Yeah, like, which I, I think is something a lot of people believe. But it's like, like I was never interested in the conceit that those mm-hmm. were Santa. I was like, no, you're not Santa. Santa is real and you're not Santa. Yeah, I was absolutely terrified of Santa Claus. I would leave out food for him, but it was more like I was trying to appease like a dark god <laughs> than anything else. And then I, I would leave, and then I would leave carrots outside for the reindeer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like pretty standard. We were very interested in in leaving stuff for the reindeer. I was very um, interested in the reindeer as well. Yeah, no, we were as well. We bought like full carrots with the top still on because yes, we, yes. we realized that like the green part is probably more interesting than the reindeer. They would like um, that. I, I have a whole bunch more sightings, and so from this oh, point yes, forward, please. I'm probably just going to be like reading down sightings. No, yeah, I'm so excited. Um, I just wanted but to But before talk we a do that, that, I want to briefly take a moment to uh, put in a plug for Studio Headphones. It is nearing Christmas, and you have a week left after this episode airs, so if you're still looking for a last-minute gift, I highly recommend checking out their site. They sell both wired and Bluetooth headphones with just amazing sound quality. The Bluetooth headphones have a really remarkable battery life. Um, I have a pair of the Trey Sport headphones, which have the flexible wingtips that go in your ear. I use them while I'm running and I listen to podcasts and the sound quality is great. Oh, but yeah. Also, they're the kind of Bluetooth headphones. And if you're a runner, you totally got this where I can hear everything super clearly, but also it doesn't diminish the sound quality of the world around me, which is nice because I can still hear like cars coming behind me and don't have to worry about turning down the volume oh, yeah. way low. It's a really great.
really keeps great. you safe. And then, uh, as a lot of you know, I'm a voice actor and I work from home, which means I'm doing a lot of audio editing. So I actually have the Regent model of the studio headphones, which are the over-the-ear uh, model, and I use those to edit audio. And they're really, really crisp, really high quality, really helps me hear everything I'm doing. And um, those are wireless, like Bluetooth, but you can actually also use an auxiliary cord with them as well if you don't want the Bluetooth connection, if you want the actual audio port. So you can actually use those for both. They're super, super uh, easy to use. And they're also really, like, <laughs> I know that this isn't at the end all be all of headphones, but they're really stylish. They're really sleek. They yeah, have they a really, are. They're like, great. yeah, they have a really sleek, modern, simple design. Well, and the kind that you got, they have, like, the interchangeable yeah. ear caps, right? Those yeah. Are dope. They're so, they're so sleek. They're super modern and super simple and also efficient, and they work really well. Yeah, they are really great. So we're actually going to be, uh, look at the episode description for this episode. We're going to be dropping in the link to the website, as well as you can use our promo code, which is KEEPER15, which gives you 15% off any purchase on their website. Yep, that's going to give you 15% off of your order. And also, they do offer free shipping worldwide. They sure do, which is good, because they're based out of Sweden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so most of our listeners, I think, are not. I think we actually have a couple Swedish we listeners. We do have a couple Swedish listeners. But um, um, if you're not one of those, you're going to benefit heavily from the free worldwide shipping. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. I mean, free shipping anywhere is great, especially this time of year, you know. Oh my gosh, yeah. But yeah, studio headphones. Can't say enough good things about them. Absolutely. And that is, um, and their website for that will link to it, but is uh, studiosweden.com. Mm-hmm. Keeper15. Yep. And that's the promo code. And of course, you know how to spell it, but I'll spell it for you anyway. K-E-E-P-E-R 15. Excellent. Uh, so let's jump right back into it. So Amazing. again, this is just like a long list of sightings that have been compiled, as you can see. And there are a lot of them. So I'm going to try to jump around and keep some varied. Yes, Here we absolutely. Go. Bristol, England, 2000. I am 14 now, but this happened back in 2000 at my old house in Bristol, England. I was with my mom and dad and my sister. It was about midnight on Christmas Eve, and I was the only one awake because I was really excited. I could hear these big footsteps in my living room. I was quite scared, and I could also hear bells tingling above me, so I wanted to see what was going on. I walked down the stairs very slowly, and I could see this big man putting presents around my living room. I wanted to say something, but I was too scared to do it because I thought he would be angry. I ran back upstairs and went back to sleep. I was so convinced I saw the real Santa and told everyone in the morning, but no one believed me. Oh, I really like that one because, um, and this is just a fact that often the more times you reflect on a memory, the more kind of distorted it can mm-hmm. become, especially memories from childhood. So the fact that that's a sighting from someone who is still actively a child, as much as 14-year-olds think they're grown up, is mm-hmm. still a child, recalling a childhood memory is very exciting to me because that's still relatively fresh to me. I'm Here's like, that's fresh one. and new. Then you'll love this one. This hiding is from New York City, 2002, 2004, and 2007. Yes. The okay, same person had three repeat sightings. That's amazing. Okay. It was Christmas Eve of 2002 in New York City. My parents had invited some friends and relatives over for dinner, sort of like a Christmas Eve celebration. After that, I decided to go to my room to watch some television, but there was nothing good to watch. I then found myself pacing back and forth in the hallway. My house is big, so there was no one with me. Everyone was in the living room watching a movie I wasn't interested in. <laughs> About seven minutes into my pacing, I saw a tall, fat figure scurry away about 20 feet away from me. It was crouched down, too. It was even wearing some sort of Santa Claus suit. I didn't believe in Santa, but this just freaked me out. There was a strange man in my house. I quickly ran to where my parents were and told them all about it. They grinned at me and said jokingly, maybe it was Santa Claus. I didn't believe that, so I just sat down in the living room with my family and everybody else. Then it occurred again on Christmas Eve 2004. I remember it more vividly than the last one. 
I was lying on the couch in the living room. My parents were in the kitchen having a conversation about a business blog or something. (laughs) You know how adults do. (laughs) Suddenly, I saw a huge man about seven or eight feet tall. Oh, my God. Crawl underneath the tree and just vanish. That is... That is so troubling. Before it disappeared, it looked at me and said, shh. (gasps) Very strange. So I went into the kitchen and sat with my parents. Similar happenings occurred the following Christmases. (laughs) I recall one in 2007. It was daylight this time. And I just happened to see another tall figure with a Santa hat trudge by me for about two seconds. Then it was gone. This is a haunting. This is a repeat haunting. This is not, I don't know what this is. It's not good. But what I love about this one, honestly... Is that, I mean, the first time they didn't even believe in Santa. Yeah. And then two years later when they saw it, it was so vivid that they remembered, like, the first thing. So it wasn't even, like, a kid who believed in Santa trying to, like, keep that memory alive in their head or coloring it with that bias. It was just, like, I saw a thing that I didn't believe in but had nowhere else to place it. And then it happened at least two more times. I am horrified at the image of an eight-foot-tall man <laughs> crawling, under your tree. crawling under the tree and then shushing you. Jeez, it's oh, the word, that's it's creepy. It's the word scurrying that is most upsetting to me. Oh, well, I'm imagining it. A large eight-foot-tall man just scurrying away. I'm imagining it. Like, this isn't what it is, but I'm imagining them, like, exorcist crawling. Mm-hmm. Like, folded over. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, that's not what it said at all. There's nothing in that to imply that this creature or this figure was exorcist crawling, but that's how I'm seeing it in my head, and I'm uh-huh. horrified. Yeah, that's How wild. does the Santa hat stay on? I don't know. But, oh, my God. <laughs> the shush part of that is the creepiest thing to me. It I'm is really so creepy. so uncomfortable. That's, like, insidious, too, or something. That's yeah. not... Here's another one I like. Holly jolly. All right. Uh, and this one's just titled Neighborhood 1973, so I don't know where, but... <laughs> the Neighborhood. One Christmas Eve, about 35 years ago, while I was in my teens, I was in a car with my parents, returning home very late at night. We were talking the whole way about Santa Claus and how great it would be if he really did exist. As we pulled into the driveway of our house, there he was, tiptoeing in the snow in between two houses across the street. We all laughed when we saw this and remembered the incident for many Christmases thereafter. P.S. No robberies were reported. Aw, well, that's nice. I'm going to be a bit of a naysayer on that one and say they likely saw someone dressed as Santa Claus and it was just nice timing. But maybe, maybe it was real. But I love that one so much. And I also I really specifically sweet. asked you for the next 45 minutes to right. come at this episode no, with a different perspective. I said I believe in Santa. I just said I don't think that one was Santa. But what I like about this one is the idea that, like, it's that whole belief of a thing increases the likelihood of the thing itself, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like they were talking the whole way home about, like, oh, it would be cool if Santa was real. And then it's like, wait a second. There he is. Wait yeah. a second. I love that. It's um, Which is cool. It's like uh, the visual version of when you learn a new word for the first time and start seeing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, here's another one I like. Uh, yes. This one's titled Bright Light, 2003. I am 13 now, but I saw something when I was seven. It was dark, nighttime, around midnight on Christmas Eve. I was in bed, but I wasn't asleep. Who could be? All of a sudden, I saw a red light beaming down into my window. It was so bright, and somehow I knew it was him. I looked up in the sky, but all I could see was the bright light coming from a small object. I didn't hear a helicopter or anything, but I did hear the unique sound of bells and, of course, the sound of hooves tapping on the roof. These sounds lasted for a few seconds after the light had disappeared. Then they were gone. Wow. So that was aliens. (laughs) That was alien Santa. That was aliens. That was alien Santa. Mm -hmm. I mean... 
I mean, there's a lot to be said for Alien Santa. He traverses the globe with a lot of speed in one night, and I feel like that can only be achieved with some very advanced technology. Tommy Wiseau heard that Santa was a thing that people loved, and he wanted to be loved, so he became Santa Claus. Oh, no. Oh, no. I did not leave that present. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Can you imagine? You, like, are, you're, like, awake late at night, and you're, like, lying on the couch, and you're kind of bleary-eyed, and you see something around you, and you're, like, bent over, leaving presents, and you kind of, like, look over, and you're like, Santa? And he turns on and goes, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Um... Apparently, it just, apparently the disaster artist is really good. I don't know. That's I what I've heard. It. I don't know. I'm sure um, it's amazing. Um, let's see. Here's one from San Antonio. Did you mean Santa Antonio? Santa Antonio. No, nope, that was trash. That was Santa garbage. Santa Antonio. Someone's going to leave me a mean iTunes review about that specific <laughs> no. joke. All right, anyway. We'll get there. I was about seven, and I was looking outside my second-story window, just waiting to see him. I saw something approaching in the distance. It was a huge sleigh, and it was flying right over my house. I don't remember seeing any reindeer, but I did see a man dressed in red with a beard. I was so startled, but I kept looking, even sticking my head and half my body outside my window. I told my family, but I knew they didn't really believe me. I swear on my life, to this day, I saw something. I don't know if it really was Santa Claus, but I did see what I described. Amazing! Look, I know children make up a lot of stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've babysat kids before, and they will tell you the most wild stories that they are mm-hmm. very clearly making up off the top of their heads. But when your kid tells you something like that, just, like, indulge them. Come on. The next two are some of my favorites. This one is from Scotland, 1978. Oh, okay. I sh- should I read it? No, I should not read it in Please a Scottish don't. accent. <laughs> An old friend came to see me a couple of weeks ago. We lost touch years ago, but he managed to trace me, and he brought me a Christmas card. After a few minutes, I asked him if he remembered the Christmas Eve about 30 years ago when we were outside our houses. We grew up next to each other. It must have been around 7.30 p.m. on a clear night when we suddenly heard a bell or bells in the distance getting closer real fast. As we both looked up, there was the reindeer, the sleigh, and Santa flying very fast and low over my house. It was brief, but we both ran to tell our families. Of course, everyone laughed, but I tell you it was real. So when my friend turned up, I asked him if he remembered, and he said, of course he did. But he didn't like telling people about it now. You can imagine why. Yeah. Isn't that great? I love it. Isn't that great? They're like two kids who both saw this thing and 30 years later both remember it the that same feels way. Like, that feels like a like like something from It. That is magical. It's like, I, I guess it's magical. I'm sorry I made it something from Stephen King. <laughs> it's but. magical. Half of these sightings are really wholesome and half of them are terrifying, so I just don't know where I fall. That one's not terrifying to me. That one's not. That one's cool. That one's neat because it's like two people validating each other's experiences. Oh, no. Even years later after the having not talked about it. The only reason I compared it. it to it is because it was like a long yeah. time later remembering something from your childhood. I don't know why that was where my brain went. Um, <laughs> uh Side note, did you know there is, people know about the horror film Krampus, which is, by the way, not a very good film, uh, but did you know there is a horror movie about Santa Claus? That doesn't surprise me. It is, I believe, a Dutch film. I have not watched it, but I have seen the trailer for it, and it is called Saint. Okay. And it is a horror film about Santa. Um, and I would like to watch it at some point. I have to find it, and I have to remember, I think it's Dutch. It was... I be- it was either Dutch or Swedish. It was from that region of the of the world. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember if it was – I think it was Dutch. I'll have to look it up. But I just remember seeing the trailer for it when I was watching um, – it was a DVD of another foreign horror film I was I was I had rented. I mm-hmm. even – I think it was a Japanese horror film, but I think they just were like, you like horror movies and movies not in English. Would you like maybe this Santa movie? <laughs> good. Um, Is this good for you? Yeah. And they're like, would you like this – would you like Saint? Um, <laughs> 
It was it looked spooky. I don't know. All right. Here's another one that I love. Up on the Roof, 2006. Click, click, click. <laughs> Three Christmases ago, I was coming home from my aunt's where we have a party. I was crying because one of my cousins told me that Santa wasn't real. Then mm. we came around the corner of my street, and there it was. A big red slight and reindeer sitting on my roof. And then Santa popped out of my chimney. I told everyone the next morning to see if they could remember, but they couldn't. But a couple of days ago, my dad went up to the roof to fix the leak. And there were long, straight lines going across the roof. Oh, I love that one. Isn't that a good one? That's a nice one. That's like a straight-up scene from like a Disney Channel original mm-hmm. movie. That's like something yeah, that belongs isn't it? in it's really good. Like, the ultimate Christmas present or something. Yeah, so it finishes up with, I took a picture and showed it to my baby cousins and told them to always believe. That's really sweet. Isn't that a good one? That's I think that very, one's really nice. That's mighty sweet. I like that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I just, there's something like, I've never, again, like I said, my childhood relationship to Santa Claus was not very good. I was very afraid of him. But there's something to be said for how valuable it is, like, to stoke that kind of sense of belief and wonderment. Oh, yeah. In people while they're young. I really think that, I, I, I really think it's really cool and really important. And I'm not saying, by the way, like... I don't mean to make, like, for this to end up as kind of like a Christmas-centric episode. I'm not saying, like, your childhood thing that you believe in has to be Santa. I just mean right. there's something very much important to be said for, like, having impossible things or impossible-seeming things to believe in when you're a kid. Oh, yeah. No, it's good. It's really important. And I think it's, I don't know, like, there's another article I was reading that, that talks about, and it was it was funny because it was coming from, the perspective of somebody who was heavily criticizing the idea of Santa Claus and the idea of, like, letting kids believe in Santa Claus. And it was saying that, like, Santa represents, like, all this stuff about our society. You know, he's, like, he's commercialized and he's overweight and et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, that's a horrible take. But then went on to say, like, but I have to admit that Santa also represents the best things yeah. about us. You know, like, the ability to believe, like, that childlike sense of wonder and innocence and that willingness to believe in things, even when presented with so many reasons why you shouldn't. And I think that's really cool. You know, like that's an yeah. awesome thing. So I'm going to read one more from this list and then we'll chat a little bit. And this is going to be a little bit of a longer episode than usual. I apologize. But think of it as a holiday special. So well, don't apologize. We're giving them more content. <laughs> You're getting more content. For free? <laughs> for zero American dollars, they Take get this that, content? Patreon. For zero American dollars, they get this for content. For the low, low price of none. <laughs> they get this? All of this, all this content? I'm holding up the content like the man who can't hold all the limes. <laughs> Happy holidays. We love you. Yeah. Signed, the Christmas, the cryptid keeper. <laughs> the Christmas keeper. <laughs> that was straight up an accident. That was a even Freudian slip if I've ever heard Oh, one. phenomenal. Okay, let's check this okay. one out. Memphis, Tennessee, 1980s and 2009. I grew up in a suburb of Memphis, Tennessee. In the 1980s, I was eight or nine years old. My parents and I were coming home from a Christmas party on Christmas Eve. When we pulled up in the driveway, we saw Santa Claus in a sleigh hovering above our house. All we could hear were sleigh bells. The sleigh was illuminated so that we could see Santa in full outfit in the sleigh. I remember seeing reindeer, but I don't know how many there were. Santa waved at us and flew off in the sleigh. I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget my dad's face of total shock. He was an air traffic controller, and when he went back to work after the holidays, he asked about it, and nothing came up. In another bizarre twist, on Black Friday in 2009, I was waiting in line at a local Target store and broke out into conversation with another lady in line. We were talking about Christmas shopping, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she mentioned that her brother had seen Santa Claus in his sleigh two years before. I stood with my mouth wide open because I couldn't believe it. Every Christmas Eve, I still think about him and look outside to try to get a glimpse. 
That's so sweet. See, ones like that, that nice? make me so happy. Yeah, they're really good. I think I was afraid of mall Santas because of the movie A Christmas Story. Anyway, <laughs> I just had that realization as you were talking about, like, waiting in line for something. And oh, I mean, yeah. I was just remembering, like, how awful the mall Santa is in A Christmas Story, which is, by the way, one of my favorite Christmas movies. My family and I watch it every year. I've but seen that it Santa's once, I haven't seen it in forever, so That's sorry. Fair. It's okay. It's like... There's nothing special about it as a movie in particular. It's more just at this point the nostalgia factor. Now, but my brother and I do have a tradition of watching um, The Santa Claus 2 about 50 times every year. Only The Santa Claus 2? The Santa Claus 2 specifically. It's the best film in the franchise. David Krumholtz is in all of them, right? Um, yeah. Well, he's not in the third one, actually, which okay. is really upsetting. I, just I guess he was too sure, busy being popular at I that wanted time. to make sure he was in the second one. I wanted to make sure you were getting your fill, fill of Bernard, Bernard <laughs> Oh, <laughs> no. You better believe I am. <laughs> um, that's a fun fact about me. The movies I watch on Christmas or for Christmas every year, I watch Love Actually because I'm a cliche. I watch um, A Christmas Story and I watch I watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the animated special, and watch mm-hmm. Charlie Brown Christmas, and I watch um, Elf. We watch okay. a lot of movies on Christmas in my Yeah, family. no, totally fair. Um, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so those are some sightings people have had. And I don't know. I just want to talk a little bit, I guess, about, like, what's the harm in believing in it? You know, like, there's nothing bad that comes from believing in this thing. I mean, like, people will look at, like, if you can believe so many of the things in this world, you can take some time to believe in Santa Claus. And it can be an active choice. Yeah. Like, you can absolutely make the decision to make your holiday season a little bit more magical by choosing to believe that there's some force out there working for good. I was going to say, my mom always, my mom always pitched it to me when I reached the age where I was like, I don't think I believe in Santa Claus anymore, like the active man mm-hmm. coming to my home, bringing me gifts. Like, I know you and dad by my presence. I don't think I. Uh-huh. And she was like, well, Santa doesn't have to be a physical entity. Santa can be the manifestation of, like, the spirit of all the things that people love about this holiday and this time of year. And, yeah, like, sure. can be this manifestation of, like, giving to people and, like, it it meaning something to be good in this yeah. world and all this other kind of lovely stuff. Santa is real, no matter how you slice it. Oh, yeah. It's just whatever Santa is. What It's what Santa means to you. Santa is real dog. Which is, like, super cliche. But, um, no, so I want to I wanna tell you guys about, like, one more sighting-esque thing. And okay. this is, I don't know, this is, like, one of my favorite kinds of examples of what believing in Santa can mean. So my mom works at Home Goods for the holidays. And this is this has happened to her several times, but this is one of the cooler ones. Is that very recently, just this holiday season, um, she was working the other day, and it was like a super crazy busy shift, like wildly mm-hmm. busy. And this guy came up to her register and was like buying a few things, and he was like what you would picture undercover Santa to be, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you know, sort of chubby man with the the long white beard and the little glasses perched on his nose and dressed in like the boots and the oversized coat. And he sort of looked around with she describes that that twinkle in his eye and says, "You guys are pretty busy here today. You're almost as busy as we are this time of year." And she she just sort of looked at him. She was like, "Yeah, yeah, I bet that we are." And there were just a few more comments like that that he made throughout the course of the conversation. (laughs) And I think that that's really excellent, you know? And so she's like, yeah, I definitely saw Santa Claus at Home Goods. And we, we do this a lot, you know, where we'll have some sighting like that. And it's, it's sort of a thing in my family where we choose to 
let that happen, you know? And I think one of the coolest things about human beings is that we can choose to actively hold such contradictions in our head. And children are better at it than anybody else, which is something you learn a lot when you're like teaching kindergartners, is that children yeah. can very much hold two differing beliefs in their head and not question it. Children are amazing at cognitive dissonance. They're incredible. They're so good at it. And I think that there's, I don't know, there's something that I really love about like actively choosing to let yourself wonder about moments like that. Like, do I believe that my mother saw Santa Claus in Home Goods? On one level, no, absolutely not, obviously. Like, duh. But on another level, I can choose to believe in, like, the magic of that moment and not have it be diminished by what my logical adult self knows, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I really like letting that one tiny corner of my brain periodically go, okay, but what if? Um, And I love that. I love that. There's a – this is not Santa Claus, but it's my version of that thing – um, when I was growing up, my favorite book and my favorite movie, and still one of my favorite movies, actually, it was was and is Matilda. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I lived in my old house when I was a kid, um, after watching Matilda, I think, yeah, I was like six. And after watching Matilda for like the millionth time, I just really, I had so much like pent up. I had a lot of like, I was a very like emotional child and I had a lot of mm-hmm. like pent up stuff. And I was just like, I want to try. I want to like do the description of the book. I want to reach out with my mind hand and make something happen. And I remember like I was always trying it, like always in my room. Who amongst us has never tried to Matilda something? Yeah. And one time, one time when I was doing it, a book fell off my bookshelf. And yes, most likely it was a numbers game. I'm doing that almost anytime I'm alone doing anything. (laughs) One of these days something was going to move. But you know, I still like to occasionally think about that and think maybe. Maybe, maybe just maybe I had my Matilda moment. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with me allowing myself that. Oh, my God. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Or, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have moments, even as an adult, where you look back and you're like, okay, but maybe. What if? Maybe. You know? And I just wanted, I mostly wanted to say that one because as a child, unfortunately, I just didn't have much of a connection to Santa. I was terrified of him. But um, also just because like if you don't celebrate Christmas or like Santa Claus is not your thing and like not a story that you connect to or like a thing that your family does, like there's other that is not even though that's kind of used as like the the shorthand for childhood belief and like childlike wonder. I just wanted to like I want to say like it's it's the bigger thing that I think is really important. It's the. Allowing yourself the what ifs and allowing yourself the maybes and the... Oh, totally. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I love, and I wish I would have thought to look it up, but it didn't occur to me. Um, But basically, it's a quote wherein he's discussing, and this is horrible paraphrasing, so do not quote me quoting C.S. Lewis on this. But it was in one of his letters, and basically what he was describing was that the decision and... or No, it was the desire to grow up is a mark of childhood right? The decision to appear grown up is a, very much an element of being in your childhood. Mm-hmm. And it's normal as a child to want to be older than you are, to want to appear mature and sophisticated. Mm-hmm. But once you are an adult, if you are really secure in your adulthood, you shouldn't want to be grown up or worry what people think of you anymore. And the the purpose of that he was talking about, like, you know, people are obviously going to say some stuff about a guy who is in his middle age writing fairy tale stories about magical lands with, you know, talking, talking lions and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, but what he was saying is that, like, you know, I am comfortable enough being an adult that I don't care if people think I'm an adult or not. Like, I literally am. There's no disproving that. Nobody can look at me and say, that man's not a real adult, like, because I very much am a grown man. 
Um, and so at this point, you know, the best part of being an adult is that you don't have to worry about whether or not you look like an adult anymore. True. You can choose to believe in all of the whimsical, wonderful things of your childhood, and you no longer have to worry about whether or not that is appropriate. It doesn't matter. Like, you can do it. And so I think that's a really cool perspective to me is the idea that, like, and, and you know, I, I definitely went through this, where as a kid, you believe in all these wonderful, magical things and all of these, like, childlike elements, and you go through a period of disbelieving because that's how you think you have to get to being something more. You, you like, want to shun the elements of your childhood, and that's a big one symbolically, and so you get away from that. But as you come back into your adulthood, there are a lot of times these experiences of deciding that you know, those things felt true and good and wonderful. And maybe the process of shunning them was the thing that we need to grow out of. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think it is too. I know it's just running along, but I actually, that just reminded me. I'm sorry. I have one other story I wanted to tell. Um, uh, and like at this point, it's it's running along. It's going to run along. Yeah, it's fine. No. It's fine. I have one more story I wanted to tell about that kind of process. And again, like it's not necessarily explicitly Santa Claus related, but it's adjacent to this whole thing. There was this book. And I was remembering it as you were talking about that there was this book I was obsessed with when I was in about second or third grade in my school library. And it was a photo book. It was a photo book about fairies, right? Mm-hmm. And it was pictures of like photographs, not illustrations or anything, photographs of these like amazing, like beautiful, kind of terrifying looking women. And then like a story about mm-hmm. each one. And because I was like seven years old and because these were photographs, I was absolutely convinced here in my hands I mm-hmm. hold proof these are portraits and bios of these real fairies Mm -hmm. and it was my favorite i would check it out over and over and over again i would read on the bus home and i would think about like if i might like someday like encounter one of these people Uh and then one day i found in the back of the book the like list of all like the artistic credits because of course this was an artistic photo book it was somebody's photography work Mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong i still admire like the artistry of it i think it's beautiful but i was crushed because it was like model it was like models like Mm -hmm. it was like the credit to all the models and the makeup artists and everything and i was heartbroken and i like cried about it for days yeah when i Um, found out that lemony snicket was a pen name i was crushed yeah because like that's another book series right that lives in that weird world of like it is fully committed to being a true story yes and even the idea that lemony snicket might be a pen name honestly still works yes because like you can believe I don't know. Like, the way it's written and the way it's crafted and the way it exists. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for it to be a fictional story. Yeah. You know? And then I was able to eventually kind of I, – I came to this point where I I basically decided as, a, as like, a seven-year-old, I decided, okay, maybe this book is an artistic rendering and this isn't fact before me in my hands. But I'm still wholeheartedly going to believe in fairies. And so I did for, like – years oh, after yeah. that, continue that because I basically made the conscious decision like we were talking about you can make a conscious decision even if part of you knows it maybe isn't true or knows science and fact and like logic can reign supreme like go deciding I'm gonna give myself this I was like I'm seven I didn't you know what I mean yeah and I'm gonna give myself fairies I'm gonna give myself this belief yeah um, so here is my challenge to you for the mm-hmm. week ahead cryptid keepers mm-hmm. I want you to spend this week, and like I said earlier, I want you to spend this week making the active conscious decision to believe in Santa Claus, mm-hmm. even if not in like a – if you don't celebrate Christmas, that's totally fine. I'm asking you to participate in the magic. Yeah. And I want it's you – It's a metaphor. It's a, me- it's a metaphor. But I also do literally want you to try believing in literal Santa Claus. Yeah. So I Even want if you, just as a cryptid. I want this to operate on two levels. I want you to go forth and be the Santa Claus you wish to see in the world. 
But I also want you to try for a week as a thought experiment, literally believing in Santa Claus. And it may last longer than that for you. It may not. I'm not sure. That's up to you. Whether that decision works for you or whether it doesn't. Or whether you see something in the next week that prompts you to think, you know, maybe this is a belief that's worth carrying. Maybe your belief conjures up that tulpa that is Santa. Exactly. And And so what I want to know is I want you to, after this week, maybe on Christmas, we can have like a discussion in the Facebook group or something. I want you to talk about what you see in this upcoming week that is put out into the world as a result of you believing in this. Whether you have a Santa sighting, which I would love to hear so much, or whether you just have an experience or you meet somebody somewhere that might be Santa, whether you have one of those like retail experiences, or if you just have a moment with like a younger relative or a kid that you know or a friend where that belief lets you guys have a sort of special, beautiful moment. I want to know about these things, and I would love very much for you to share them with me. So tweet this at, tweet them at us or bring them to the Facebook group. Just, like, really carry with you for the next week. It's been a really rough year. It's been a really long time. Even the past, like, this whole, the arc of this holiday season has been really devastating in a lot of ways. And I want you to help me put that magic back out there in the world. Yes. So thank you for listening. Thank you for coming with us on this Christmas mm-hmm. Keeper holiday journey. <laughs> I'm actually going to use that as the perfect opportunity to segue into our social medias um, because you mentioned the Facebook group. Reminder mm-hmm. that you can find us on Facebook, one under the Cryptic Keeper, if you want to like our page, follow our exploits or whatever, but uh, <laughs> follow our, our adventures. But um, we also have a Facebook group where you can come hang out and have conversations with us, and that is the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group on mm-hmm. Facebook. And then also, speaking of Santa sightings, if you don't want to post them in that group or tweet them at us on our Twitter is Cryptid keep pod c-r-y-p-t-k-e-e-p-p-o-d uh, you can email it to us and our email is cryptkeeppod at gmail.com same spelling as the twitter and you can contact us there and i'm still compiling actually we have so many listener stories that have been sent to us over the course uh, yeah. of the last several months and my plan that would be a good way to kick off the yes, year actually. my plan actually actually i was going to pitch that to you i'm glad mm-hmm. you said that my plan uh, was to kick off 2018 with a listener stories episode so if you have some burning pressing listener stories particularly if they're Santa-themed, but also if not, uh, that you want to send to us, you can send them to us in our Twitter DMs, which are open. You can put them in the Facebook group or you can email them to us if you want it uh, a little more private. Um, And then you can also request if you want it to be anonymous or however you want that to be done. Um, If you listen to My Favorite Murder, sort of how they run their, their hometown stories episodes, like that. Um, and also, just announcement-wise, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, the Patreon change is no longer happening. So if you were a donor <laughs> who was worried about that change affecting you, thankfully that's not Nothing happening anymore. Changed. Nothing has changed. There has been a change to the changes, and yeah. they are no longer being changed. Exactly. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. <laughs> and also, um, if you're looking for something special for the holiday season to buy somebody, we have t-shirts in our Etsy store now. They're super um, cute. I am actually mailing out the first batch uh, of t-shirt orders today. They are super Super cute. There are pictures of them all over our social media and on the Etsy. Our Etsy is the Cryptid Shopper. You can find us by searching that. And they're on there. We have them in sizes extra small to size 3X. Get them while they last. And we're going to have to order more when they run out. But yeah, that's just update after a long wait. The t-shirts are there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, then, um, also, I want to wish, uh, we'll be back next week, obviously, but I want to wish you and yours a happy holiday season. And uh, as always, we hope we can keep you around. And stay, stay merry s- out there. Oh, <laughs> she didn't tell me that was happening. Stay frosty. <laughs> stay safe out there. <laughs>